The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. This baby belongs to them podcasters. What you got here is a Zenith Sloth stat block. I wonder why it didn't show up in the Wikia archives. It's these funny little jokes on the side that give it away. Those analysis droids don't focus on the Dark Times podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite employed person. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Steven, your favorite scrupulous researcher. Oh, 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 but, well, perhaps the job listing is incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, we have some feedback from last week. Let's cool. get into it. We've got let's, a lot of feedback. Yeah, so. it's, it's going to be a big app, so let's just, let's big, just dive right in. <laughs> big apps this week to the Dark Times podcast. <laughs> Heard from Zloy Krolik. Hey, guys. Ugh, more meta winky emoji. Just kidding. Well done episode. What was the look? Stink eye or side eye? I think I, I remember the look. I don't remember the subject matter precisely. It was a, it was more like a side eye. It was a I side think. eye for sure. It was a, for sure. A side eye. Yeah. Nice Sun Tzu reference, by the way. I don't remember making one, but. No, we talked about a character having read the art of war. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. I hope we can attract more of the Sun Tzu fandom out there. <laughs> In the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. Yeah, very, very true. Thank you, Sun Tzu and Zoli Krolik. Good GM advice as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Trains. I've been known to use them as well in my games. Usually they're a signal to the party that they're on a plot train for a bit. But I've used the concept as a moving limited area map to good effect with opponents on swoops or speeders zooming around them. Yes, that's how it's done. Uh, Take a look at that Jedi Academy level. Uh, Just as a quick Really? Oh, yeah. Jedi Academy has an excellent train level. I don't think they have like swoop bikes and speeders coming on the sides because it was like, you know, that game came out in like 2002 or something. Fallen Order has a train level. It does. A very the good first one. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good train level. Pretty good train level. And of course, the hazards of falling off them while in a fight. Is the Dark Times module going to be a five room dungeon or more of a longer form like DOD? Take care and get well soon. Well, Zloy, I think it's going to be a five room dungeon now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've opened the opportunity to ourselves yeah while developing the dark times module i've even before sitting down and making the module i've been doing a lot of learning about you know what goes into a module because obviously i've written adventures for me and my podunk friends that you know are not publication worthy they're fucking fun and amazing but largely because i have you know four to five other people backing me up at the table it's more like throwing this this Star Wars spaghetti at the wall and seeing what levitates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Zoid finishes it off. Take care and get well soon. Thank you, Zoid. Very, very nice of you as always. Are you feeling better this week, Stephen? I'm, f- I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah, I was. I didn't even know if it was a cold last week because it disappeared really quick with like no. I didn't get like a runny nose or like cough or anything like you usually get at the tail end of a cold. It was just gone one day. I, I genuinely think I was that stressed. You just had the yeah, the dark times fever, baby. Had the dark times fever. And the only cure? More dark times. More dark times. <laughs> Air of the dog. We get a message from Mr. Butts on Patreon. He said, I'm glad to know that Dex is going to be the dark times module. I've been running an OR game where he is almost every shopkeeper and also drives one bus on Narshada. His only competition right now is Steve Palpatine and his used starship dealership he inherited from his father. He's planning to reorganize it into a, the first galactic pre-owned ship empire. Well, thank you, Mr. Butts. It's cool to hear. Yeah, Mr. Butts, thanks for reaching out. Um, that's that's awesome. I love cameo characters. They're they're quite fun to use at the table. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about how I had that Sebulba cameo in our uh, <sighs> in our Black Sun campaign. That I love really that cool. Sebulba cameo. Did you like cry at the end or something? <laughs> Well, do you, do you guys ass kicked by like two humans? Yeah, you yeah. Know? His, <laughs> his agent set it up as like the big comeback. And yeah, then was... the comeback tour for the ball, but he's still lost. <laughs> yeah. So funny. That's great. We also heard from Lil Literalist. Uh, thank you as always for your detailed feedback. I cherry picked some of, of your more relevant points for, for use here. Uh, he says, I think that splitting up the MacGuffin is perfectly fine as long as it's not in too many pieces. I think that three is a good number. It's also a decent idea if the PCs have already been collecting the pieces before they actually realize what they were. 
Yeah, I was, I don't know, was I, was I lambasting the, the Dragon Ball stereotype or well, you archetype said, rather? As long as you don't make it too obvious, you said it's a good idea. Exactly. And I think, I think Little Literalist hit on the one detail that like takes it from snore to score for me. Huh? Yeah. I like that. Is that <laughs> introduce the first one or even the second one where the PCs don't even really know that they have them. Our friend did this in uh, our Pathfinder 2E campaign, and that was really, really, really cool. Oh, yeah, because it was great. we were just collecting bullshit, and then it turns out the bullshit had a, had a use, and it was a cool reveal, and yada, yada. You get it. Weapon concealment is one of those things that always makes me look up the rules. Yep, that, me too. I may, probably said it in the episode, maybe, but it's absolutely one of those things where someone's like, I want to conceal my pistol, and I'm like... All right. <laughs> now the size, now the weapon size can relate to the item size, which correlates to how what the bonus is to hiding it. Time to confront the difference between <laughs> weapon size and object size again, and convey that to the table while reviewing the concealment uh, or conceal an object subheader for the eleventh time this like fiscal year. Honey, it's halfway through the session. Time to look up <laughs> item versus object size. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. That's a really, really good one. <laughs> I think the idea of using up resources in one room that are needed for the next one can still be done, but it has to be resources that are given by the dungeon. Poison canisters, computer spikes, explosives, single-use shields. Again, little literalist. That's a good you, idea. Yeah, you found kind of the key difference of, that, that makes it my, a gripe of mine that we were talking about with Five Room Dungeons last episode become a, a cool thing. Let's let's say I, I can pitch it right now. Go ahead. Let's say it's uh, like a recent episode of The Bad Batch where there's a crashed ship that has a creature on it. Yeah. And there's these things on the ship they were using to, to tranquilize the creature. The party uses them on what they think is the creature. But the actual creature is still aboard and they've used all their tranquilizers and materials on subduing that creature. There you go. That's how the it's old done. creature swap. <laughs> And he continues, I think it's important to reiterate that these five room dungeons do not need to be rooms or dungeons. At its core, it's a series of encounters that must be bypassed in sequential order. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I, I wanted to say it six Gorgillion more times last episode. We kept saying room and we kept saying dungeon. The beautiful part of the five room dungeon is that it need not rooms nor dungeons. In fact, and a room can be a landing platform, an entire planet, a space station, the belly of a great beast, uh, anything, really, anything at all, anything that can hold your players. It's more like the five beat adventure, you know? Yeah, yeah. Steven, what's the topic of our episode this week? <laughs> so we've had a couple requests, not just from Zoe Krolik, but from others to not just go in because we, you know us, we kind of, we, we're known for our roundups, I think, at least yeah. by this point, we, we cover categories and, and do kind of a bird's eye view of, of those categories um, but we've gotten a few requests, polite requests, mind you, to dig in a little deeper, sink our teeth in, get a little more, a little more sloppy, a little more messy with it. So we, we've also gotten some other requests for more force traditions, uh, which uh, happy to oblige. So I figured we combine both today, go all in on a single force tradition instead of, you know, rounding up a, a, a triplicate or so. I was going to do the Tia, Tia, Tia or Tia. Yeah, I saw Yeah, T-Y-I-A from, from JADAM, from the Jedi Academy training manual. But then I saw they were filthy fucking pacifists, and I thought that was lame. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Oh, look at me, I'm nonviolent. <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, oh, a nonviolent force tradition. Wow, how, you know, cool. I mean, oh man, Sam, what if they made a force tradition rooted in Buddhism? <laughs> What if they were, what if they're pacifists the same way the Jedi are peacekeepers? <laughs> See, and, you which know, means, there's, which means not at all. Yeah. Which means like generals. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> we're keepers of the peace, not warriors. Beheads a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuts a dude's head off. Okay. Real quick aside here. We love Samuel L. Jackson. Obviously we yeah. love Mace Windu. Mace though, kind of a dick. Yeah. Like overall, like if you worked with Mace Windu, if Mace Windu was your coworker, you'd think he was kind of a dick. If Mace Windu was your coworker, you would kill all the students in the school and then, uh, and then kill your wife. <laughs> that might be a little too real. They granted him the, they granted him a seat on the council, but not the title of master. And it's unheard of in all of Jedi. I listen, except Keati Mundi, except Keati Mundi. <laughs> 
I hate that too. George is such a fucking hack to where the, I, I think it was after Revenge of the of the Sith where they decided that Kiati Mooney did make it onto the council without the title of master. Fucking nuts. <laughs> just 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 nuts. I feel like I'm gonna get fact checked hard for that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Anakin was not the first, despite like definitely supposed to be, you know? Yeah, despite the the clear like like just from the context of, of that scene. It was, it was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> That's why he was so upset about it. Like, yeah. otherwise he wouldn't have a problem. Like, oh, okay. Like, Kiati Munde, who's like yeah. sitting in the room with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, otherwise it just makes him vain and dumb, which Anakin <laughs> is. But, like, he was supposed to be on his, like, he was really trying then. Yeah. Yeah. What, whatever. What, where, where are we? <laughs> oh, who yeah. Are we, who, what's, what force tradition are we doing this week? Today, we're doing the Zayshan Shah, which, besides having a cool name, their deal is telekinetic powers. Lifting rocks. <laughs> I fucking hate you. You always say that at the best possible fucking time. And it's so fucking funny. So, so lame. Is this the last episode of the Dark Times podcast? You're it mad is. At me it is. Call it 62. It's a good even number. God damn. Anyway, reading from the Jedi Academy training manual, which is, uh, by the way, I got to plug this book one more time after like probably the hundredth time. There's two things I love about Jadam. You get all the funky lightsabers. You get like the pikes and the the whips and all that cool stuff. And your foils. And And your foils and your all that stuff. And you get oodles of force traditions. And not just that, you get a lot of in-depth lore about them. You get dedicated sections for their history, their philosophy, and they're all pretty like interesting. And best part, they span like the wide, wide birth of the ethics between the Jedi and the Sith. I do. I, I'm actually, now that I think about it, I think light foils were introduced in the KOTOR campaign guide. And I think not in you're the right. Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one. No, no, stop weird. writing the email. I, I can hear you writing it. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, Continue, Steven. Continue. Oh yeah. But the, the main point I was making is that the coolest part about the force traditions featured in the Jadam is not only their, their wide, you know, uh, or rather their, their depth and their super cool lore you get. Um, also just the wide birth of, of morality that's explored between the Jedi and the Sith. Cause if you're like me and I, I know you, you just might be Jedi Sith, very cool, but in a realistic story with, you know, that, that, that you can actually sink your teeth into that's meant to entertain people older than nine years old. There's plenty of room f- between dark and light. And I'm not just talking about your gray Jedi OC you made when you were 14. Okay. <laughs> Steven, are you telling me, are you telling me there's room in the galaxy for more than two points of view in the I whole so. galaxy? I don't, no fucking way. No fucking way weird religion only has two points of view on the religion in the whole galaxy. From a certain point of view, Sam. Oh, there we go. There you go. Uh, they, oh, yeah. So, so I'll read all this to read from the book. Here we go. <laughs> the Zaysan Shah are masters of telekinetic powers. As a result, their training in these powers far surpasses the training the typical Jedi receives. The extent of their superior training becomes evident when they use their disc blades, a unique weapon of their own design. What does a disc blade look like, Stephen? So I, I Googled it. As as one does, and there's it's honestly really cool looking. They're they're like think of them as like uh, I think sometimes a weapon of this type is is called a chakram. Yes, a chakram. Yes, yes, and and these are are just fantastic. I'm a little disappointed by the official art for the Zaysan Shah because it is just a Jedi like Jedi robes with a with a disc. I'm looking at the same one right here. Yeah. <laughs> I love this art. It's classic like 2000 Star Wars RPG. Like I mean just the angles on that Twi'lek's face are perfect and the kind of more chunky bulkiness of the scout trooper in the background. I just I love this art so much. But we really love to see those crazy outfits with the Force Traditions and we have seen some really fucking cool outfits with the alternative Force Traditions, but these are literally Jedi robes. It could be worse, Stephen. When I looked up disc space blade, it, half of the results were Inquisitor lightsabers. So wow, okay. erasure, <laughs> disc blade erasure. Yeah. Uh, there may be a good lore reason to explain why this Zayson Shah in particular is wearing Jedi robes. We can get into that in just a few seconds here. But I would really love to see something divergent, especially. In fact, no, it makes more sense for them to look nothing like the Jedi, and you'll you'll know why in just a second, dear listener. 
So Sam, join me in the in the annals of history over here. Just just come and come and stand with me over here at the front of the classroom. It's cold over here. Yeah, it's the, the there's a vent right above. You know how in, yeah, there's a vent right above. <laughs> I hate that. Right yeah, stand right, right here. Yeah, <laughs> like the, you hear the vent turn on when you stand yeah. right below it. Yeah, they know. Two thousand years before the fall of the republic or the rise of the empire, depending on you know how you want to look at it. Jesus Christ was born. Uh, close. Uh, <laughs> A group of families affiliated with the Jedi seek refuge from a Sith conflict on the outer rim world of Yanabar. Okay, you got that? Yeah. The Jedi who established the sanctuary are killed in conflict with the Sith, and knowledge of the colony is lost. Yanabar is all but uninhabitable, with extreme conditions on the planet that kill most of the refugees. The shit's getting kind of bad, right? Yeah. As time passes, the descendants of the original survivors begin to master the Force and grow to believe that their Jedi ancestor protectors had abandoned them. (laughs) I love this. A grudge centuries in the making. They adopt a philosophy of self-reliance and reject their perceived ideals of the Jedi Order. Hundreds of years later, the planet Yanabar is rediscovered by traitors. What was once a fringe outpost soon becomes a bustling hub strategically located between the Outer Rim and the Unknown Regions. At this point, the Zayas and Shah explore the galaxy to find their beliefs in the Jedi affirmed, horrified at the reality of Jedi recruitment, specifically citing taking young from their families. They return home to their typical isolation, vindicated in their beliefs. And outside of that, the, the, the Zaysan Shah kind of just chill in their own corner. Obviously, they're quite isolated from the mainstream galaxy and they like to help others when, when they're needed, but they aren't exactly charging in to get discovered by the Empire or worse, brush up with the Jedi. I love this because, first of all, the Sith are gone. The Sith are mostly gone at this point. Yeah. You know, we're, we're talking a few hundred years before Battle of Yavin. Yeah. So they travel the galaxy and they're like, oh, look, there's there's Jedi. OK, well, it's weary of those guys. And then they're like, yeah, the Jedi just come by and pick up our kids whenever they lift rocks with their mind. <laughs> they're like, what, your children? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> exactly. And I, I like their history because it's very believable. It reminds me of a it few is. real world cultures, too. And it's it's very, um, it's very realistic and very interesting. It's um, not hard to imagine this culture coming to believe what they do about the Jedi, given that all they know about the Jedi is that, Hey, there were Jedi, they're protecting us. And then one day there weren't. And now we live on shit planet. (laughs) It's their fault. Yeah. Is this more or less believable than a fleet of star destroyers hidden on a planet? Uh, outside of, uh, <laughs> I wish you Sorry. wouldn't ask me questions Sorry, like I'm, that. I'm breaking on, our rules again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just wish you wouldn't ask me questions like that on on air, because then I'm then I feel compelled to answer them honestly. <laughs> Sorry, I have to I have to pull up our Rise of Claws Walker over here. <laughs> oh my god, their philosophy is uh, actually pretty reasonable. Uh, there's no like weird like sacrifices or like or like baby killing in here or brainwashing or anything like that. They emphasize self-reliance and taking care of oneself and one's family. Another very family-centric uh, a tradition in Star Wars. You love to see it. They teach use of the Force for self-sufficiency, survival, and defense. Masters of telekinetic powers and their iconic disc blades, which they can throw and return with lethal force, no pun intended. Though they are susceptible as any to the dark side, self-reliance can mutate into selfishness, Proud independence from the Jedi can lead to othering, which leads to bitterness, which, of course, leads to hatred. And the book was so helpful to remind us, so helpful to inform us, <laughs> love it, that the Zaysan Shah who walk this path are called Dark Zaysan Shah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank yeah. you. So we're going to uh, we're featuring the whole talent tree here or at least we we might no we we probably will yeah we probably will cuz it's it's there there's like five talents here but they're all pretty short and there's a bit of but there's a bit of homebrew here at the end that uh, seems very well reviewed comes from some very trusted figureheads in the community and actually appears necessary to make this force tradition interface with the rest of the game in in the way you would want it to even before we do that though what can we talk about like can we look at the stats for displayed Oh yeah, absolutely! Oh my God, yeah, you're totally right. I, I, we absolutely should. So here we are. They're featured in the Jadam, the disc blade. 
The disc blade, the preferred weapon of the Zaysan Shah, is a small metal ring with handles on the top and bottom of the disc and four slender blades that tightly curve back as they extend from the sides. When thrown, the disc blade flies straight due to its aerodynamic design, but a trained Zaysan Shah warrior can use the force to return the weapon to their hand after it has been thrown, boomerang style. A disc blade is treated as a thrown weapon for the purposes of determining range. The weapon type is exotic weapons, ranged, small, costs 2,000 credits, 2d8 damage though. Wow, that's comparable. Also, yeah, comparable to a... A light, a better than a lightsaber? It, it is it is comparable to a lightsaber. You should I, I I give you these underhand throws and you just shit on them. What is with that? <laughs> what did you want me to say? I'm, lightsaber. I, was, I wanted you to say lightsaber because that's better what it's than comparable a to. <laughs> no, it's not. Not strictly. Not yet. We'll get into the, maybe how we can get there. God, see what I fucking in the hands of a skilled professional. <laughs> yes, yes, I concede that. Yes. No stun setting, because, uh, come on, it's a fucking, it's a, it's a ninja star. <laughs> I set my yeah. razor blade to stun. Yeah. <laughs> Single shot rate of fire. <laughs> Unless Thanks. I have one of those foam disc launchers. Oh. <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah, 1.25 kilograms slashing damage, and it's rare, naturally. So th- that's your disc blade on its own. Pretty impressive, but let's see what the talents can further augment it into. Telekinetic vigilance is one of the talents on the Zayzanjah talent tree. I actually like this one a lot just because it, it, it's very flavorful, brings some, some uh, imagery to mind, which I always love when a talent really just kind of defines how a character fights in your head. It's really cool. Telekinetic vigilance, prerequisite intercept, you can return the intercept force power to your force power suite as a swift action without spending a force point. Sam, do you want to refresh us on the intercept force power? Absolutely. The intercept force power says, use the force to telekinetically hurl a small object in the path of an incoming projectile, preventing it from striking you. It's a telekinetic force power. It costs a reaction, and you can target one incoming ranged attack targeting you. Make a use the force check if your use the force check equals or exceeds the attack roll result of the incoming range attack, including all modifiers, you negate the attack against you. It lets you negate a range attack, yeah. The Cliff Notes version of, you can also negate an object being thrown at you with the force with it as well. Super cool. And you can also use it to negate half damage from an modifier attack. Oh, so cool. Which is so really cool. I like it. Intercept is a great force power. I really like it. It's it's excellent if uh, a block or deflect aren't available to you, or rather deflect is not available to you. I totally imagine the Zaysan Shah guy like throwing his disc blade to block an incoming Shah and then returning it. That That's how I would flavor that use of intercept. Very, very cool. I love it. Then there's distant disc blade throw. As we all know, thrown weapons have kind of a bit of a wah wah when it comes to weapon range. Fuck me. <laughs> For distant disc blade throw, the prerequisite is you must be proficient with the disc blade. We'll talk about disc blade proficiency in a second because it's worth talking about. It's a little funky. When you use a disc blade, you treat it as a pistol instead of a thrown weapon for the purposes of determining range. Bam! Now you're on the same level as the rest of your range combatant party mates. And you can throw it further than a Jedi can throw a lightsaber. Easily. Love it. Recall disc blade. This is what y'all came here for. This is the fucking headliner talent right here. You must be proficient with the disc blade. And when you make a ranged attack with a disc blade or use the disc blade arc talent, after the attack is resolved, you can make a DC 15 use the force check to call the weapon back to your hand as a free action. That's worth getting uh, skill focus. Use the force for right there. Cause Absolutely. I do not want to be the guy caught with my fucking pants down disc blade on the floor. And Discblade Arc, this is a really cool attack that I, I, I think you'll like, Sam. Prerequisite, proficiency with the Discblade. As a full round action, you can make an area attack with your Discblade, striking three targets, all of which must be within point-blank range of your Discblade. This attack uses the area attack rules. You make one attack roll and compare the result to the reflex defense of every target you designate. Very, very fun. Huh. That's really cool. Yeah, so it's an it's a little bit unique. It's an area attack, true blue area attack, but it only targets three individual targets, and they must be in point blank range. And it still deals half damage on a miss. Still deals half damage on a miss. 
And because it's an area attack, there's all sorts of things you can proc off of that. It's super cool. Love it. Now, okay, here we are. This is now, hold up. Now, let's just put, pump the brakes a little bit. There's also, there, there's a disc blade specialization talent too, but fuck you. It's plus two to damage. Who cares? <laughs> um, uh, it's actually weapon specialization disc blades. Thank you. Know? Thank you, Sam. Thank you. You know, you know what we need? Straw men personas. <laughs> All the content creators have them. <laughs> I feel like we do that pretty frequently, though. We, we do. We do. <laughs> like the straw man rules lawyer comes up a lot. Oh, yeah. So I don't usually do this because uh, homebrew talents are a whole can of worms that do require a level of scrutiny before I get up here on the podcast and tell like 60 to 100 of you about them. This is Disc Blade Mastery, a talent created by the Wikia admin Chell Walker. Let me just read this off to you. You treat a disc blade as a simple weapon that can be thrown instead of an exotic weapon. Additionally, you gain a plus one bonus to attack rolls with a disc blade. This talent counts as the weapon focused disc blade feat for the purposes of satisfying prerequisites. If you also have the weapon focused simple weapons feat, the attack bonus provided by this talent does not stack with the attack bonus provided by weapon focused simple weapons. So, why is this important? This singular talent brings the disc blade and the Saison Shah into compliance with virtually every other tradition or group in the game to have their own special weapon. You may have noticed, Sam, there was no way in the talent tree or elsewhere that granted proficiency with the disc blade, which means you would need to grab exotic weapon proficiency at some point, whether that was your first feat upon character creation or some other way. Also, because of the disc blades status as an exotic range, non-energy weapon, it was exempt from things like empower weapon, you know? Oh yeah. The like force adept talent, like all missing out on a whole extra die of damage. Not to mention a, a tune weapon is important too, but empower weapon. Hmm. So Discblade Mastery definitely feels like part of the game that was supposed to be in there, but maybe they just missed it on the first pass or, you know, who can say really, maybe it was meant to be in, but was accidentally cut or something. But this talent, as it's worded here, makes the Discblade and the Zayson Shah work like every other special group with a special weapon in the game allows you to take advantage of juicy force adept talents that you're definitely meant to use. I mean, why would only one force tradition not get that goodness? And Lil Literalist tested it out on a high level build in actual play in a real campaign and said it was fine. So that's rad. Yeah. All these things. I think it's perfectly fine to consider this as part of the game as the rest of the talents. This is not an example of an egregious or poorly thought out talent. In fact, you can tell Chell Walker did the homework, did the research to really, really bring this in line with the rest of the language concerning this area of gameplay. Now hear me out, Steven. What's up? Not to be contrarian. Go ahead. But custom background, home planet, Yanabar, treat exotic weapon as a simple weapon ranged. Yeah, give it there the, you go. Give it, give it the, uh, the Wookiee treatment with the bowcaster. Does the Wookiee background? The Wookiee gets the treat. Well, not background. That's but a the species Wookiee trait. Species trait. Yeah. Well, but, but we're converting because it's not a species thing. It's a home planet thing. I like it. That's a quick on the I, I think this is more elegant, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse- oh, sorry. Shellwalker probably had like 10 iterations of this thing. I just came up with it now. So... Fucking forgive me if I hand wave that at the table with a character who's like, oh, yeah, I want to play a Yanabar uh, uh, Zazon Shaw, but I don't have we- weapon focus. <laughs> we, we need two strawmen. We need the rules lawyer strawman, and then we need the player who's completely an idiot strawman as well. <laughs> I like it when they're the same person. I'm going to come after your ass some more here, Sam. None of the planet of origin backgrounds grant anything even close to weapon proficiency. They give you bonus skills and bonus languages. So actually, I think you're homebrewing more than Chellwalker is here with this talent. Mm. So 
so yum, yum, resign. Yum, yum. Resign. <laughs> oh, it's not fair that Wookiees get to treat broadcasters as, uh, and they also get rage, and also the Rick Blade, and uh, fucking. Sh- <laughs> yeah, everyone knows the core rulebook species are busted. That's not true. <laughs> That's the Zayson Shaw. Do you have thoughts about the Zayson Shaw? Have you played a Zayson Shaw? Let's hear about your Zayson Shaw. Like usual, I'm I love researching these force traditions and I'm so sold on the Zayson Shaw. I kind of want to build one now. So you might see that next week, maybe. No hey, no promises. Put put your hand down. Steven's putting the disc blade of Damocles above his head now. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to beat me to it, if you have a Zayson Shaw build, you want to show us. Bam, I'll feature that on the podcast. I'd be happy to next week. Oh, my God. That'd be so cool. (laughs) Yeah, and and if you use... uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Another thing I want to say. With Discblade Mastery and Empower Weapon, that that Discblade becomes a 3D8 pistol, effectively, with the right talents. That's That's not even very high level. That's like... A 3D8 pistol that can do auto-fire attacks without a minus five. Yes, yes, yes. When you put it like that, what? That's really cool to think about. Yeah. No ammo either. No ammo. Yeah. Steven. Yeah. Yeah. No ammo. <laughs> Some other talents I would mix in here. Obviously I already said, um, empower weapon is necessary just for any, any force adept type guy at all. Telekinetic savant, obviously from the altar talent tree belongs here too. That is very similar to the intercept talent from the Zayson Shaw talent tree. Let me read it here. Never find it. Oh, there is it. The one where if you roll a nat 20, you could add a telekinetic force power back to your suite. No, you'd recall, Sam, that rolling a nat 20 on activating force power returns every force power to your suite. Obviously, everyone knows that. Cut that. (laughs) (laughs) Telekinetic Savant, once per encounter, as a swift action, you may return one force power with a telekinetic descriptor to your suite without spending a force point. Oh, Steven, Telekinetic Savant lets you add a force power back to your suite without spending a force point as a swift action. Yeah, it does. Now let's see which one I keep in the show and make make the other person look like an idiot. You're criminal. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, no, it's funny. That's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> the whole bit's going in. <laughs> Good. Don't forget that uh, Force Unleashed uh, Campaign Guide also added Telekinetic Prodigy. When you take the force training feat and select move object as one of your force powers, you can select one extra force power to add to your suite for free. This extra power must have the telekinetic descriptor. Um, game master, more telekinetic force powers, please. (laughs) Like somehow like selecting a talent is a dig at the game master. Like how selecting any talent could somehow Mm. be a dig at the game master. No, it's the fucking the pit bull being like more more children, please. (laughs) Mm, Yummy. Uh, More telekinetic force powers, please. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, Steven, thank you so much for bringing the Zayson Shaw to the spotlight of the podcast. Thanks. I I really enjoyed it. I wasn't done. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope that inspires any listeners to make their own Zayson Shaw, one that's even cooler than yours. Yeah, I fucking hope so. We've given you all the tools, listener. You can surpass us. We are You're what they free. grow beyond or between, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Steven. Thank you. Yeah? <laughs> Sorry, what's up? What did you say? Can I get that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, thank you, Steven. What? And thank you, dear listener, oh. for listening to the Dark Times of Saga Edition podcast. Seriously, uh, we talk about it every week at about, you know, it's what, what is it like the 30, 40 minute mark? Yeah. Yeah, it is. We talk about- <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. All of you, each and every one of you contributes to the podcast in your own special way, whether that's hitting the big green play button on Spotify or the big orange, give me your money button on Patreon or the five star button on either pay, uh, Spotify or Ooh, iTunes. Yeah. I realized we, we, we've forgotten to mention about ratings. Ratings are great. I love Stephen and I love reading the reviews. It makes our tummies feel full oh, with happiness. So full with with goodness. We have we have like twenty seven five star ratings on Spotify or Heck something. Yeah. So cool. Thank you guys so much. Feel free to write into the show. We'll shout you out if you tell others about the show and tell us. We'll tell everyone about you and how cool you are. 
If you want to contribute to the podcast monetarily, well, we've got a $5 Patreon tier and a $10 Patreon tier that gets you a sticker or a sticker and shirt, respectively. Uh, There's also some exclusive content on there. That'll be the future home of the upcoming Dark Times module. Don't expect it soon, though. It's going to be more of like a a summer thing. Yeah, we both have full-time jobs now. Yeah, it's it's a, yeah, yeah, we're we're good. It's happening. Just, you know, give it, give it a little time. And plus, like, I'm running a campaign and, you know, I'm not going to sit down and write your campaign for you. I'm going to write my campaign, but yeah, whatever, (laughs) you you get it. Speaking of Patreon, Stephen, special shout out to our newest patron. Oh, yeah. Mitch. (laughs) You want to read what Mitch said? Former brewery guy checking in, finally donated, still listening. Keep it up, boys. Mitch, for those of you who may have been listening a while, may remember Mitch was a guy who said he listened to us at his brewery (laughs) job. And now he listens to us at his IT job. Hell yeah. The Mitch lore runs deep on this podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mitch. It, it means a lot to hear that you're still listening. Seriously, I, I was honestly, I was thinking about you the other week, and then I saw the email that you joined up on the Patreon, and honestly, it, it made my day. So, Mitch, thank you so much, and thank you to the rest of you for continuing to listen to support the Dark Times podcast. It's great what we can do together with a 15-year-old RPG. Yeah, it's incredible. Six, 16 or so. I don't know. You figure it out. I wasn't even <laughs> born yet. Yeah, fine. Steven's actually the world's first 12-year-old podcaster, yeah, I don't know if you yeah. guys knew, with a full-time job as yeah. well. <laughs> when I was born, they wrapped me in the in torn pages from Starships of the Galaxy, because it was just the newest <laughs> newest book at the time. It was the cheapest. Yeah, it was the, the cheapest newest book at the on time. On the Barnes and Noble shelves. They yeah. Were- <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> we have to burn these for warmth. It's pieces of the core rule book. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right, we're going to send you guys back to another lovely segment from Jeff from the Rollmongers. Double Jeff. Jeff to Jeff. Back to Jeff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of We Shot First, the Dawn Defiance campaign podcast where I... What? Stam and Steve are in trouble. They need content. Quick, to the GM Fiat. Hello everyone, GM Jeff here, and I want to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart in the world of Star Wars, an extended lore, as well as a very special alternate force tradition, the Macrosa Order. But before we talk about the Macrosa Order, we got to talk about the Tapani Sector. And before we talk about the Tapani Sector, we got to talk about Tapani Nobles. And where does all this take place? If you take a clock and place it, bam, right on the galactic map on the core worlds. If you follow a line down the seven o'clock arm, you will find a trade route called the Rima Trade Route. And at the very top, as it splits the inner rim colonies sector and dumps into the core worlds, there is what is called the Shapani Pass, which bypasses the actual trade route and takes you through the secluded Tapani sector itself. Now, the Tapani sector arose and their noble houses with it after an ambitious warlord named Shea Tapani brought several squabbling individual human colonies under one banner some 7,300 years before the Battle of Yavin. Tapani allowed the leaders of the conquered colonies some degree of self-governance, naming them nobles in the Tapani Empire. And of course, with an empire, there are force users, because it's Star Wars. And within such force users and orders, for centuries, a secret evil in the Tapani sector has had nobles and commoners jumping at shadows in their own homes and palaces. That evil is the Macrosa Order, and its nefarious leader, its High Lady, Breswalt III. Descendants from an ancient order of Sith settled in the Tapani sector, and years after young noblewoman would reconsider her ancient Sith heritage, she funds the Macrosa Order, a coalition of Force-sensitive knights sworn to protect Meseti's High Lord and Lady. These Sith are granted tax-free holdings on the world of Nysa. For over two centuries, Macrosa grew immensely wealthy and powerful, developing chapter houses, palazzi, and spy nets throughout the entire sector. Yet, the aloof Tapanians, 
value their independence from the Republic above all. Despite Jedi ties to Mercedes' arch nemesis, House Pelagia, the Panis refused outlander meddling in this minor domestic affair, they would call it. So when the Great Sith War erupted, the young cutthroat Macrasa matron, High Lady Breswalt III, part of a dynasty of Maseti rulers, and of course, the Penny noble houses themselves brazenly endeavors to seize control of half the sector during this war. During Tepani Day festivities, her Sith assassins attempted simultaneous assassinations of five of the eight rival house leaders, including Rena, Pelagia, Melissius, Calypsia, and Barong. Of these, only Pelagia foils the plot while House Calypsa, Melissa, Barong, and a clump of Rena are absorbed into the Masetti province. The Macrosa Order, long after mere myth, now brutally showcases its reality. This order, under High Lady Briswalt III, is, well, it's pretty damn cool, as far as I'm concerned. Now, Lady Briswat herself is considered a challenge of 16. And before we actually get into her actual stat block, let's talk a little bit more about the order itself. Ta-da! There isn't one. That's the coolest part about this alternate force tradition or secret order that's listed. Now, that actually is listed in the stat box of alternate force traditions. But since there is no specific talent tree, using the Force Adept and the Sith Assassin for its members opens the floodgates for the GM's imagination or, you know, collaboration with the players. And this is what I believe makes the Force tradition really, really cool because there's a lot of sort of customization, customization under a common theme. Now, Getting back to the High Lady Briswalt III, if you want to know who walks the walk and talks the talk and, you know, all fall under her, look up to her and possibly want to be her. She is a Human Noble 7, Force Adept 5, Sith Lord 4, 3 Destiny Points, 6 Force Points, and a Dark Side score of 17. Her initiative is 15, and her senses include improved sense force, improved sense surroundings, and her perception is a high 16. She speaks basic, bosh, hergules, you know, those giant whale dudes, high galactic, which is like, you know, common, Melkite, Merlites, Mun, and Sith. <laughs> Phew, got through that. <clears throat> Reflex defense of 31, flat-footed, it's even 29. And when she flurries and goes nuts, it drops to 26, but we'll get into flurrying later. Fortitude defense of 30. 35 versus poisons. Obviously, this woman has been around the block and has some defenses about, you know, getting taken off the map or out as a player. Will defense of 33. She has 92 hit points and a damage threshold of 30. While the Jedi were running around the galaxy with their lightsabers and Sith with their red bladed lightsabers, in the Tapani sector, a lighter, single-handed light foil was deployed, but not by force users specifically. Also, Tapani nobles learned how to use these weapons as, you know, as a unique exotic weapon. And, you know, with good old finesse, weapon finesse feats and whatever, did very well. The light foil, a staple of the Tapani sector. And of course, she wields one quite well. Also carries a blaster pistol because, you know, <laughs> the Sith cheat. Her base attack is plus 12, her grapple is 14. As far as attack options go, she has channel aggression, crippling strike, double attack with lightsabers, flurry, and weapon finesse. Now let's quickly talk about flurry. Flurry, when you attack using a series of quick strikes, sacrificing defenses in the process. The prerequisite is 13. When wielding only light weapons or lightsabers, you can make a flurry of attacks. You take a negative five penalty to your reflex defense, but you gain a plus two on your melee attack rolls. This bonus on attacks and penalty to reflex defense applies until the end of your next turn. Now, standardly in a lot of these D20 systems, when you do multiple attacks, you take penalties on the attack roll. So this is more like 
Well, I would picture it more like a barbarian's reckless attack where they go nuts and they're using their momentum to get actual bonuses to hit you even more frantically, but they might, you know, sacrifice some defensive moving, footing, and just being reckless. Hence the negative five penalty to, to reflex defense. But when you are this high level, it does kind of work in your favor. She also has, of course, weapon finesse, where she can use her dexterity instead of her strength bonuses to attack. Special abilities, born leader, channel anger, force focus, power of the dark side, swift power, and temptation. Her force power suite, she has a use the force skill of 22. She has battle strike, dark rage, force grip, force lightning, force slam, ionize, mind trick, and wound. Now, here's a power you don't see very often. Wound, obviously, is a dark side power. It takes a standard action to activate one creature within six squares of you within your line of sight. So they got to be pretty close. Make a use of force check. Make one roll and compare it to the target's fortitude defense, which not all characters have built up high. A lot of people put in reflex defense. So this could be a kind of a sneaky surprise to use against players. If the result equals or exceeds the target's fortitude defense, the target receives 4d6 points of force damage. The target adds a size modifier to its fortitude defense and purposes of this force power. So attacking something colossal, gargantuan, or huge, or even large, they are bigger, tougher, and would get bonuses scaled to their size. For instance, a large would get a plus five. So if you go after a regular size opponent or smaller advantage to you you can spend a force point to increase the damage dealt by an additional 2d6 of force damage so you walk up surprise everyone's used to willpowers hitting reflexes hitting willpower yes a couple others do hit for two defense but you juice this with a force point bam 6d6 damage up front talk about a cool opening move and If the target moves more than one step down the condition track as a result of being damaged by the force power, the condition becomes persistent until the target is treated with a DC-20 treat injury check, or you must perform surgery on the target. So definitely an all-in power if you want to go that way. Now, I could go down the list and just go on about every little power, but I'm only kind of picking out today some of the ones that you may not have heard about. Her Feats, double attack, flurry, force sensitivity, force training, twice, linguist, poison resistance, hence that stat boast, skill focus, use the force, weapon finesse, weapon focus, lightsabers, weapon proficiency, lightsabers, proficiency with pistols, proficiency, simple weapons. Her skills, deception of 17, you can't run a dark empire if you can't lie straight to someone's face, you know. Gather information 17. You can't run an evil empire, I'm telling you, unless you know what's going on around you. Initiative 15. Knowledge, bureaucracy 16. Galactic lore 16. Perception 16. Persuasion 17. You can't run a dark empire unless you can talk people into doing dark shit. Pilot 15. Use computer 16. Use the force 21. May re-roll using force power with the dark side descriptor. May spend a force point to keep the better result. So, you want to hit that 4-2 defense with the last power I mentioned? It's okay, she gets to roll twice. You know what? I changed my mind. Everyone, just stay out of the Tapani sector. Forget everything I said. And, good night, everybody. Jeff, thanks again for a wonderful segment. Uh, we love role mongers. We love you guys. Well, that's the same thing. We love role mongers. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were early supporters of the show, and we're so happy to host segments from you here. Uh, Jeff hinted that maybe some of the other role mongers may be sending stuff in. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, again, thanks Jeff for another quality segment. Looking forward to more. And if you dear listener have a segment and I look, listen here, look, I'm going to level with you again. I don't care if you have a shitty fucking HyperX microphone. Okay. I don't care if you, you, you're scared. If you're nervous. Oh, what if people don't like, no, if you've got Swissy passion, this is your place to share it. Consider us your platform for making your love for Swissy heard. We want it. They want it. You want it. Please, if you've got a segment to send in, even the thoughts, the inkling of a segment you'd like to share with the world, send it our way. We can make it happen. Don't get intimidated by how good Steven and I sound every week. It takes a lot of effort 
to make Steven sound half decent. <laughs> if you heard my real voice, oh my God. Here, we'll give him a little sampling of my re- real voice. It's him. <laughs> it's me, it's Steven. I'm recording at the Dirk Davis podcast. <laughs> yeah, I have to like coat the inside of his mouth with peanut butter to get him to stop, talk slower. Mm, and it tastes so good. <laughs> I get my protein fix and you can understand me on air. Sometimes I use that peanut butter jelly mixture, but then it gets too hyped up on sugar. Yeah. I start bouncing off the walls and I can't hold still for my, for my segment. (laughs) Steven, do you have any trivia for us this week? Yeah. uh, The Zazan Shah were first mentioned in the 2003 Star Wars role-playing game guidebook Heroes Guide written by none other than Rodney Thompson and J.D. Weicker. (laughs) <laughs> this was Rodney's first RPG credit, I think. At least his first Star Wars RPG credit. Which means he had a hand in creating the Zaysan Shah. That's really cool. Yeah, right? And it's another Force tradition that started and is exclusive to um, Star Wars RPGs. Though they do appear, there's a nod to them in Kodor 2 that's actually further expounded on in the Star Wars The Old Republic MMO. That's really cool. I didn't know that. It also um, retcons slash breaks uh, the original continuity Rodney established in the Hero's Guide. Thanks, KOTOR. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, assholes. It's, it's minor. It's because like, Rodney says, that the, the Hero's Guide says that they're about 2,000 years before the uh, the collapse of the Old Republic. The Sith Lords, or KOTOR 2, the Sith Lords, puts them at like 3,400 years before the fall of the so you know it's like whatever but yeah also there's armor there's a Shan Shah armor you can wear in the game uh their depiction was illustrated by Wayne Reynolds oh friend of the show no not really <laughs> personal made, friend yeah, of ours Wayne made Reynolds that up I lied <laughs> see how easy it is for Steven to lie to you it just comes so naturally <laughs> flows like water off of my forked tongue <laughs> the dark times produced and edited by me sam steven is my co-host you can reach out to us on twitter at dark times swse or email us dark times swse at gmail.com review us on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows tell us you told a friend about the show tell people about the show and tell us you told people about the show we'll shout you out on the show steven do you have a quote for us this week your thoughts dwell on your mother mm. As do mine. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. everybody. Anakin, your mother. <laughs> I love the fucking Obi Wan pulls a yo mama. <laughs> I will destroy you, your mother. My thoughts dwell on your mother, Anakin. Good <laughs> night, good night, everybody. That's a good up. Yeah, it was a good up. Prem app shutter down, zipper up.